And good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you are watching this. Hello, Vintage Pasadena. Again, my name is Ted Chen. I have been part of Vintage Church for nearly nine years now, and I've had the joy of seeing God grow this church to four locations now, Pasadena, of course, being the newest location. And I want to tell you, I am a former Pasadenan. I used to live on Arroyo Parkway and Del Mar for a year before I moved back to the west side. I'm now part of the uh, West LA campus and, as Ben mentioned, part of the missions team. I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. I uh, moved down to LA to go to UCLA, so go Bruins, go Rose Bowl. And as Ben mentioned, for nearly 25 years now, I have been a reporter for NBC4, Channel 4 here in Los Angeles. And as you can imagine, there has been one story overwhelming all the other stories in Southern California, and that is the coronavirus and its spread and COVID-19. And it's something I've never seen before in my lifetime, and I'm sure most of you have never seen anything like this in your lifetime. But what I want to say today is that there's an even bigger story going on right now. And it's an ongoing story. And it's the story of God. It's the story of God continuing to reveal himself to humanity in Jesus Christ. And it's the story of God continuing to restore humanity through Jesus Christ. And it's happening every day all around the world, person by person. And it's happening because God continues to deliver on his promise of bringing heaven on earth. Day by day, place by place, until the day heaven and earth are one. And no virus in the world is going to interrupt that. It's just hard for us to see it right now. It's hard for us to see where all of this, everything that's happening in our world right now, fits into that story. We just want this part of the story where real people are suffering, are in pain, and are dying. We just want this part of the story to end, and the next part of the story, where we begin to heal, and we begin to recover, to begin. So it's perfectly appropriate and necessary to keep praying as a church, to keep begging and to keep pleading that God bring heaven on earth faster and to pull even faster into the present when heaven and earth are one and there will be no more tears and no more pain and no more death and no more virus. But we have to remember that as much as God cares about what's going on here, what's going on in our lungs and in our immune systems, he cares even more about what's going on in here, in our hearts. Even during times like these, and especially during times like these. I got to witness a very a big heart moment um, a little while ago. It involved my goddaughter. I want to sh- 
bring up a picture of her right now. Her name is Riley Ayers. She just turned four years old, and you can see from the picture that she has grown up fast. Um, she is just one of the lights of my life. Her parents are Matt and Stephanie Ayers, dear friends of mine. Matt is the treasurer at uh, Vintage Santa Monica and West LA. And a little while ago, I was over at their place, and Riley really wanted to watch her favorite show, which is PJ Masks on the Disney Channel, Disney Plus. PJ Masks, not to be confused with TJ Maxx, the store. And Riley really wanted to watch this show, and her dad said, okay, Riley, you can watch it, but you have to ask your mom if it's okay. And mom was upstairs, so Riley ran upstairs, and then she ran back downstairs, and she said, mom said it's okay. And dad said, huh, if I go upstairs right now and I check with mom, will she confirm that she said it's okay to watch PJ Masks? And Riley just had this look on her face because she knew the gig was up. And I realized that at this moment, that this was a moment that as loving parents, Matt and Stephanie weren't just trying to teach Riley that it's not okay to lie. They were trying to teach her that there are more important things than her short-term gratification. Now, she's only four years old. It's going to take some time. She's going to grow into it. But they were trying to teach her that she can overcome her short-term desires because there's something better for her. As Ben mentioned, we are in a series called Overcoming. It's part of our Lent series. And as Pastor Ben preached so beautifully a little while back, when we become Christians, we have three obstacles to overcome. They are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And today we're going to talk again and more about overcoming the flesh because it's especially important because it has to do with what's going on in here. And you'll remember Pastor Ben said the things of the flesh come in two categories. The first category is the desires of the flesh that are the straight-up bad desires. The desire to beat someone up on the freeway because they cut us off. The desire to steal someone's hand sanitizer. Or hoard toilet paper from the store. Or gossip. Or badmouth. Or to be unfaithful. And then there are the good desires that can become bad if we over-prioritize them, if we overvalue them, if we make them into gods. Things like money, and sex, and food, and relationships. Even our children, even the church, and certainly our own security. Now, when we become Christians, God gives us new desires. Desires to share, to love, and to serve, and to be generous. And to look out for others before ourselves. In other words, to be like Jesus. Because when we become Christians, Jesus takes control of our lives. He takes control of the wheel. He is in control now. But we still have that noisy backseat driver called the flesh, who is telling us and whispering at us to take all the wrong turns. And if you're like me, sometimes you feel like you just can't get rid of him. He just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking, and eventually you just give in. But God is saying to us, no, 
have made you a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5. I am going to show you the road to fullness and joy. And that backseat driver is going to become a thing of the past. And he'll be a distant memory. But first, there are things that we need to do together. So let's go to our scripture. If you could turn your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be uh, looking at verses 16 through 26 today. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. And we're going to put it up on your TV screens as well, but you can also follow on your Bibles or your apps. Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your flesh craves. The flesh wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the flesh desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their flesh to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or jealous of one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this words. I thank you for this truth. I thank you that the circumstances that we're in, as difficult as they are, give us the opportunity to see your truth anew. So Lord, we pray you let these words and this truth enlighten our hearts and grow our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia to specifically address this issue of circumcision, whether Christians should be circumcised under the requirements of Jewish law, because the first Christians were Jews. But Paul is telling them that they are no longer under the law. Jesus has fulfilled the law, so they no longer have to fulfill the requirements of the law in order to be saved, because Jesus has saved them, and by faith, they now have the Holy Spirit to direct them. And the Holy Spirit directs them away from the things of the flesh and toward the things of the Spirit so that they can become people of love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. But here's the rub. How many of us know Christians who are not like that? How many of us think that we could be more like that, but we have a ways to go? How many of us think that we could be more like that if 
there wasn't so much weighing us down. You see, Paul knows that. He knows that the things of the flesh are weighing us down, which is why he says in verse 24 that we crucify the things of the flesh. But how do we crucify the things of the flesh? Well, it's not willpower. Because willpower can only get you so far. Willpower only lasts so long. No, to crucify the flesh means to put to death the things of the flesh so that the fruit of the Spirit has room to grow. And that's why we have Lent. That's why we have the spiritual disciplines. That's why we have prayer and solitude and silence and fasting. They're all designed to go together. And today we're going to talk about fasting in particular. We're going to talk about why we fast, how we fast, and the fruit of fasting. Why we fast, how we fast, and the fruit of fasting. So let's go back to our scripture. Back to Galatians 5, this time verses 16 through 18. The first three verses in our passage. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your flesh craves. The flesh wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the flesh desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Pete Scazzaro is a pastor and the author of a series of books uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, this is one of them. It's the Emotionally Healthy Church. They're incredibly wonderful books. I highly recommend them. And in it, he talks about the reason we have spiritual disciplines like silence and solitude and like fasting. It's because we have a spiritual battle on our hands, and it's the battle against the flesh. And the thing we have to know is that the flesh has two things going for him or her. Number one is that he's got a culture that agrees with him, that is in sync with him, that says, just do what feels right, just do what feels good, just get whatever you can, when you can, even have to lie a little bit, cheat a little bit, steal a little bit, manipulate just a little bit. And the second thing the flesh has got going for him is our brokenness. Not just our collective brokenness as humanity because of sin, because of the fall, but our individual brokenness as well. The brokenness that comes from the hurts and wounds that each of us have acquired over a lifetime, especially during childhood. Maybe you came from a background where money was all that mattered and you didn't. Maybe it was that someone else's feelings mattered and yours didn't. Maybe something or someone happened to you that left you feeling deserted and devalued. You see, the flesh preys on those wounds. The flesh whispers in your ear and says, 
do this, do that. Take this, take that. Eat this, eat that. Watch this, watch that. Lash out in this way and that way, and you'll feel just a little bit better. And that will help numb the pain. Now, the flesh knows that when we become Christians, we are a new creation. We are brand new. We have new desires. But the flesh wants to make you forget that. He wants to fool you into thinking, well, yes, I'm brand new, and I want to do the right things, but sometimes I just can't help myself. The Apostle Paul faced the same problem. He says in Romans 7, I don't understand it. I want to do the right things, but instead I do the things I hate. But there's a reason we do the things we hate. There is a root and there is a why. And in order to stop doing those things, we need to do the one thing that we absolutely don't want to do, but we absolutely have to do. We have to let the Holy Spirit into the deepest parts of ourselves where those hurts and those wounds reside so he can heal us. I became a Christian um, in college when I was at UCLA. I accepted Jesus into my life, but then I promptly proceeded to ignore him. I went out and chased the things of the flesh. I was all about my career. I was all about chasing women. And I got pretty decent at it. I worked in Reno and Fresno and San Diego and made my way back to working in Los Angeles, the second biggest television market in the country. And my flesh said to me, hey, we're in Disneyland. Let's go crazy. And then I had the heartbreak of my life. I had a broken engagement. And in my pain, the flesh said, let's really go crazy. And for the next 10 years, I chased the things of the flesh with even more abandon. And I chased all the things that LA supposedly has to offer to offer happiness. Hollywood premieres and parties and this modest level of fame. And again, I chased as many beautiful women as I could. But I found that every conquest made me feel emptier, and emptier. I knew that something was wrong. I knew something was wrong deep inside, but I didn't want to go there. I just didn't want to go there until I had another heartbreak and I just got on my knees and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. We need to talk. And somehow I knew that the best way to communicate with him was to fast. And that's why I fasted, and those are the reasons we fast. And before I finish that story, I want to talk about how we fast and go back to our scripture. Galatians 5 again, this time 19 through 21. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, when you follow the desires of your flesh, the results are very clear, sexual immorality, impurity, 
lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. We look at this list of things of the flesh because it helps us determine what our particular vulnerabilities are. For example, I'm not much of a drinker. I don't have a history of alcoholism in my family, so I'm not particularly vulnerable to drunkenness. I am, however, vulnerable to sexual immorality. I am vulnerable to idolatry. I am vulnerable to anger. Now, I can try to avoid these things through willpower. I can try to suppress them and just stuff them down below. But what usually happens when we do that? They just kind of simmer underneath the surface where those desires actually grow stronger and they actually blow up in one way or another. It doesn't help that we live in a world that actually encourages the things of the flesh. For example, our, our politics. Our politics encourages us to be angrier and angrier. And our, and our, our entertainment drives us toward sex and more sex. Our media and our social media just worships celebrity. And it really wasn't that different in the first century during the time of the Apostle Paul. Even if it was a lot more primitive, prostitution was rampant. There were shrines to false gods that were everywhere. And everywhere, people were bickering and arguing over religion and politics. That's why Paul wrote these letters. He wanted to warn people about the desires of the flesh, about the things of the flesh. He wanted to warn people about idolatry, about quarreling, about jealousy, about envy, about division, because he knew these things would not only blow up individuals, they would blow up the entire church. And sadly, we have seen that happen throughout history. But there is one unique thing that we had in our modern time, there's one unique way we had to avoid the things of the flesh. And I say had because if you haven't noticed, if you don't work in the medical field or in the essential sector, most of us have lost that thing. And that thing is busyness. See, busyness, that keeps us going, right? It keeps us on the move, it keeps us on the go, so we can keep doing the good things and avoid the bad things. We cling to business to avoid the things of the flesh. But now, life as we know it has come to a virtual halt. And we can either treat that as a total and complete disaster, or an opportunity, an opportunity to do the thing that God wants to do most with us, and that is to spend time alone with him. Our senior pastor in Santa Monica and West LA calls it a date night with the Holy Spirit. Just you and God, just you and God, no avoiding, no suppressing, 
No medicating with constant company or gallons of chocolate ice cream or hours upon hours of Netflix or The Bachelor or whatever your go-to might be. It's just you and God in the spiritual disciplines, in fasting, in prayer, in solitude, and in silence. The desert fathers of the early church, the monks, had a saying, silence is the most precious gift because it is in silence that we hear the screams of the soul. And when those screams come out, in a safe and private place, when those screams come out, when those deep emotions come out, when that pain comes out, we shouldn't be afraid of it. We should not be afraid to scream at God. Job screamed at God for 35 straight chapters in the book of Job. He continued to scream at God, and God can take it because he's God. God can take those emotions because God is a God of emotions. In Genesis chapter six, it says that God grieved and was filled with pain because of the sinfulness of humanity. In Matthew 26, Jesus was in agony because he knew of his impending death. The Lord walks alongside us in our grief and our suffering because he knows what it's like to grieve and to suffer. And in that grieving and suffering, we can ask him, to reach down deep and heal the things that are making us run to the things of the flesh. Now often, it's not going to be easy. Often it's going to be really hard and it's going to be a process and it's going to take time. And sometimes we need a professional. Sometimes we may need a therapist or a counselor And sometimes we need trusted friends all around us. You see, God uses all of those things because he loves us that much. In fact, his love for us is is so fierce, is so powerful. It cleanses and it purifies and it burns away all that is false and fills up that space with what is true. And the truth is that in Jesus Christ, you have been set free. 2 Corinthians Corinthians 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where there is freedom, there is fruit. Let's go back to our scripture. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their flesh to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or jealous of one another. When I finally hit rock bottom and finally, finally surrendered my life completely to God, one of the first things I did was give up sex outside of marriage. 
I knew it was wrong. I knew that it wasn't part of God's design, but I thought I couldn't help myself. I was just being a guy. I bought into the lie that's, that's just how guys are, no matter the carnage it produces in relationships, in marriages, among the women we're supposed to be honoring and not using. And statistics show that this kind of behavior has become equally balanced now. Men and women buying into that lie that sex is just an appetite to be satisfied and not something God beautifully designed to strengthen the love between a man and a woman in marriage and to create children. That truth about sex, God began slowly revealing to me. He began slowly revealing to me that our desire for sex is really a desire for love. And our desire for love is really a desire for intimacy. And God gave us that desire for intimacy so that we would desire intimacy with him, so that we could be intimate with him. And he designed it so it would mirror the intimacy that the three persons of the Trinity have, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving and serving and delighting in one another. And the church is supposed to mirror that intimacy. The body of Christ, the community of believers, loving and serving and delighting in one another. And that's what I found at Vintage Church nine years ago. I remember... I met a man named Joel Gerlach, one of the first people I met. And I remember thinking, this is the nicest, warmest, kindest man I have ever met in my life. And I kept meeting, meeting more people like that. And the more I met, the more I wanted to love and to serve the church, the more I wanted to love and serve the city, and to love and serve the world, especially the most vulnerable. And I began to realize that those desires were already in me. I was a new creation. The old was gone, the new has come. But before that could truly come alive, it took something first. It took me taking a leap of faith. It took me saying, God, because you know best, I am going to deprive myself of the thing that I misuse most so we together can crucify it, so we together can nail it to the cross and you can come and heal me. So you can transform me. So the old desires become less and less attractive, and the new desires become more and more beautiful. In two months, in May, I will have been celibate for 10 years. And it sure ain't gonna be because of willpower. It's going to be because the idea of being with someone other than my wife is now abhorrent to me. And the idea of being with my wife, if by the grace of God I do get married, sounds beautiful. And even if that doesn't happen, I can go on knowing that the last 10 years have been more joyous and full and fruitful by far than the previous 20, because I have tasted that the Lord is good. Psalm 34.
And when we keep tasting that the Lord is good, he keeps showing us the fruit and we keep becoming people of love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And boy, do we need that right now. Because it is love that's going to get us out of this crisis with the coronavirus. It is patience and self-control that's going to keep us at a safe social distance and keep us gathering in small groups and keep us staying at home as much as possible. And it is goodness and gentleness and kindness that's going to keep us from hoarding just for ourselves and instead looking out for each other. And especially the most vulnerable. And finally, it is faithfulness, his faithfulness, that's going to bring an end to this chapter of the story and begin the next chapter. Because remember, we are still in God's story. And no matter what, he's going to continue bringing heaven on earth. And no matter what, is still going to be glorified. Vintage Pasadena, vintage everywhere, believers, the community of God, all of Los Angeles, let's be a part of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as awful as the events of today are, right at this moment, And we pray for healing. We pray for restoration. We pray for the virus to stop spreading. We pray for the beginning of recovery. We also know that this is part of the story. And we pray that you will end this chapter and begin the next chapter where things start to get better. And we look forward to the day and there'll be no more virus, and no more death, no more pain, no more tears. And we pray for that day and that heaven to come to earth faster and now. In Jesus' name, we pray. I'm going to bring Ben back up for a response.